0: Coming up on Stew Does America, journalist Andy No joins us to discuss the new book, Exposing the Leadership of Antifa. And because, you know, it's a day of the week that ends in a Y, we talk about some good old fashioned Biden family corruption. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel yet? I mean, what is wrong with you? It's the best channel ever. What about our podcast? I mean, that's the greatest podcast ever, and that's totally unbiased. It's coming from me, so you know you can trust the information. Uh, if you're missing out on all of that, well, you're missing out on free episodes. Head to StuDoesAmerica.com for all the links and all the places to go for social media and everything else. Or join in the fight against conservative censorship, which is a really important fight right now uh, get a subscription to blaze tv go to blaze tv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid stupid show and for a limited time you'll get 30 bucks off well the mayor of tampa had the super bowl now getting in a little bit of trouble as she seems to believe in the philosophy of masks for thee but not for me let's do the super bowl unmasked
1: stew does america
0: Well, 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 another wonderful year of NFL football is in the books. I know I'm more woke than ever. I've learned from all of the Super Bowl commercials that told me that racism was my problem and I'm the one responsible for it. So now I can feel better about myself and blame everyone else for their racism. The other thing that was going on, of course, was the mask incident. I mean, this is a weird year. Uh, I've been to a bunch of Super Bowls. Uh, It's kind of my thing. You know, Uh, I've been doing it as a tradition for a long time. And I will say this to all the kids out there. uh, When you want to do something in your life over and over again, it's very important, like in year one or year two, to start calling it a tradition. Once you do that, you have to go every year to continue the streak. And that's how I've been able to do this over and over again. And it, ha- it is a lot of fun. These weekends are a lot of fun. Even if you don't like Colin Kaepernick and you don't you, you're boycotting the NFL. There's nothing like a Super Bowl. There's nothing like a Super Bowl weekend, though. This one, I will admit, was very, very strange. Uh, it was, you know, the NFL in the middle of a pandemic Trying to pull off a Super Bowl, and to the most part, they had some success. But it was it was a weird weekend. Uh, only 22,000 people in the stadium, t- a little over 22,000 people in the stadium. Uh, lots of coronavirus restrictions, uh, including uh, masks everywhere. I mean, you know, to the point where at, at the end of every aisle, as you walk down the stairs, there was someone with a little sign that said "Masks are required." And they were like mask police watching you to make sure after you took that, you know, bite of your hot dog or whatever, uh, you put that mask on as soon as possible afterward. It was, you know, they were on top of it uh, as you kind of would expect in an event like that. Uh, however, the mayor was, uh, had a kind of an interesting problem there. Uh, the mayor of Tampa, name is uh, Jane Castor. Uh, she made some comments uh, after the game when people around the country were, were responding to the parties with a lot of unmasked people that seemed to happen after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won.
1: Everyone knows that simply wearing a mask dramatically reduces the spread of COVID-19. That's
0: not quite. And
1: I'm proud to say that the majority of individuals that I saw uh, out and about enjoying the festivities associated with the Super Bowl were complying. You know, we we had tens of thousands of people all over the city, downtown, out by the stadium, Ybor City, uh, down here in Channel Side, and very, very few incidents. Mm. So I'm proud of our community, but uh, those few bad actors uh, will be identified and the Tampa Police Department will handle it.
0: I love hearing those old school names I remember, Ebor Channelside. I do love Tampa. I love the city. Uh, but it is uh, one of those things that's a little difficult when you're the mayor who's saying they're going to prosecute people without, for not wearing masks. When multiple times she's been caught at major events. Uh, not wearing a mask. I mean, we have a couple of them here. Uh, This is, I think the Tampa Bay lightning as they were uh, doing very well. Uh, I think that was in their championship run. Here's another one uh, taking pictures without masks on. Uh, People are starting to pull these things up. And of course, this is just real life. Everyone knows that you're not going to be perfect. You're going to have times where you're doing these things. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people just don't, especially outdoors realize that it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything outdoors. So people will, Of course, not wear them because they're being rational. (laughs) Honestly, they're assessing the risk in a rational way. The problem here, of course, is hypocrisy, where the mayor is saying she's going to prosecute others. And then on the other side, taking pictures without her mask on. This is sort of the thing. Um, But it was an interesting trip. I will tell you. Um, Let me give you a couple highlights here. Uh, We first uh, started off with um, a trip, uh, kind of the way you start almost every Super Bowl trip with a nice cocktail at Pizza Hut. Um, yeah, this is a real, <laughs> this is the, the Dallas Pizza Hut, uh, where they serve, they have a full bar at Pizza Hut. I don't know what that means. A good late morning cocktail at Pizza Hut. Uh, they also had these uh, at, at, uh, at the, uh, the convenience store at the airport, which I thought were interesting. Three for $12, scorpion suckers. Lollipops with actual scorpions inside of them. What are there people buying this product? Now, I was, I am a vegetarian, as you know, could not partake in the scorpion. I just, it's just against my, that's the only reason I didn't get the scorpion sucker, although I would have, of course, loved that. Um, I did get to Tampa uh, eventually, and we did pass by the highlight of the trip, of course, not the Super Bowl, but the original Hooters. Yes, there's a Hooters restaurant, the first one in Clearwater, Florida, and there it is in all its glory. Uh, I took it. I swear out of the window of the cabin, not as I stopped in 12 or 13 times. Um, uh, We also, it was interesting to see how the city reacted to it because Florida is much like Texas, um, some other red states, particularly down south, that you know might have some basic restrictions here or there, some events canceled, but a lot of them not canceled. Um, for example, I was it able to go see actual horse racing at Tampa Bay Downs, uh, and uh, if you look at this footage here, you can see um, the horses are uh, going. This is the start of the race, and if you see that one kind of way in the back, that is definitely the one I bet on. Uh, I don't know, I don't remember what race that was, but that's But if you kind of see the uh, the vibe of that, everyone's kind of standing outside. You know, there's a few masks here and there, but generally speaking, kind of normal life. I feel like I keep pointing this out to people because if you're in the South, you're like, yeah, I know. I know what normal life looks like. If you're in the North, if you're in certain areas, if you're in a blue state, you don't remember the stuff. You don't remember going outside. And like, it's just ancient history to you. And every time I start talking about doing things in normal life, we get so many messages from people who are like, I can't believe you went to a gathering uh, you saw people there yes it's true i mean in fact even live music exists in florida and idiots are dancing like they normally are i mean this is um this guy this guy's kind of nice some nice moves here i want you to listen to the end of this video closely though if we could turn this up this is uh, he's dancing he's just gonna stop here
1: Yeah, I hate to do a either, but get to dance by your
0: table. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, uh, they had this big open area where you th- it looked like a dance floor. guy gets up, does his moves uh, to the D- DJ I guess DJ. Karen, uh, and then DJ. Karen made him sit down at his table, or at least dance by his table, because uh, if you know anything, if you're an epidemiologist, you might know this, but coronavirus can't spread if you're dancing at your table, but if you're dancing in the middle of a, a wide open area outdoors, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Um, uh, I did get a Super Bowl mask, uh, a special mask. Here it is. And if you, you can see the little tag here. It's a little difficult to make out, but it got the red China seal of approval which came in the bag uh, to show that it was approved by the Chinese government. I figured you guys would like that. Um, We eventually did get to the stadium. It's the type of thing that does actually happen in southern states. Stadiums have people in them. Um, Do we have the sign here? This is kind of like the approach, kind of like, but again, like you look, lots of people gathered. Outdoors, not all that many masks everywhere. Um, in fact, um, we have uh, so here's the video. This is a tailgate right outside the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not exactly social distancing we're talking about here. You see tons and tons of people all over the place, and uh, I made sure uh, not to post that one because I figured they'd probably have the Karen police come in and, and end it at the time. Uh, but. It's, it's interesting to see how that life really does go on across the country in certain places if you're in the right place. I always make sure, one thing I always do whenever I go to the Super Bowl, there's only one way the Philadelphia Eagles were making it to the Super Bowl this year, and that was because I was the one idiot in the crowd dressed in an Eagles shirt. Uh, there I am with the Eagles helmet. Uh, because every year the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl as long as I get to go. Um, Then you have, uh, let's see, what else do we have for you? Oh, the game started. We had the big uh, flyer. Did you see the Super Bowl flyover? I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, they flew right over my head. Here's the picture. Uh, Now, first of all, I will say the stealth bomber is not new. It's still the freaking coolest thing in the world. I don't know what it is about the stealth, man. It's just awesome. And I will say like this picture here, you have the stealth. Can we go back to it? We have this picture here with the stealth. It's kind of flying over our head with the the bombers. And I thought, this is the last picture a lot of our enemies see. This is the last thing they see are these planes over their head. Uh, Thank God for our military. Um, I did get to see uh, the halftime show. Um, The halftime show sucks in the stadium. You don't get to see anything. I mean, I will be honest with you. The halftime show is a total waste. It's, it's totally made for TV event. And from what I understand, it kind of sucked for everybody at home, too. Uh, but it really sucked in the stadium. You couldn't even see anything most of the time. Um, I did catch the people with the new CDC-approved masks. Uh, they kind of ex- ex- exited the stadium right below us. And uh, <laughs> what was that? They looked like jock straps on their face. I don't know what that was, but they were very protected. I had a good shot of the streaker as he left. Uh, did you guys see the streaker? Here's, there he is. Uh, The streaker, you know, it wasn't. They didn't show the streaker at all. The streaker did uh, make it. He made it all the way down the field on the actual uh, 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 before they tackled him. They tackled him at like the one yard line. The guy ran the entire length of the field and then slid at the one yard line, which I didn't understand at all. Uh, But he did have like a um, Borat like bikini on under his. It was very strange. And he pulled his pants down. It was not that was not pleasant. That's why they didn't show it to you. Uh, The attendance, uh, 24,000, what is it, 24,835 was the attendance. Uh, Crappy attendance. I mean, I don't know. I I saw plenty of wonderful cardboard people there. They didn't even count them. Uh, I believe it's racism. And I guess Colin Kaepernick made too much noise. People didn't want to go to the Super Bowl. And then uh, finally, uh, Tom Brady, Uh, again, the MVP. Uh, Big Tom winning yet again. Do we have the Tom Brady uh, photo? No, it's going to cut. All right, well, here's the thing about Tom Brady. I've been now to 16 Super Bowls, 16 Super Bowls. Tom Brady played in eight of those Super Bowls. Freaking half the games I've been to, Tom Brady has been there, and he's won five of the eight, which the only good side of this is I did see all of his losses, which, which, which was, when well, that's at least one positive. Um, but 16 Super Bowls have been to eight of them, uh, Tom Brady. I will say I, at the end of the day, I don't like Tom Brady. I do love Tampa. Kind of happy for the city. Um, and, and I was just happy the game actually happened. I mean, for, after the last year, I did polls throughout the year on Twitter. Will we have a Super Bowl this year? A lot of times it was like 50 50. We actually had the game. It actually happened. And that's good news. Hopefully it's the last one I have to do in a freaking mask. And I have to do with Tom Brady. When running a business, uh, you know, HR issues, they can absolutely brutalize your business. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, uh, labor regulations, HR manager salaries aren't cheap. Uh, We're talking 70,000 bucks a year. You need Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E. It was created specifically for small businesses. You can't dump $70,000 into a full-time job when you're a small business. You might not even need that much attention. Even if you do, it might be uh, way outside of your budget. Well, with Bambi, you can get a dedicated HR manager and craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for $99 a month. It's incredible. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability into your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. And that's important. the dedicated part is important. It's not like you're calling some phone bank and you're just getting some random person who has to learn your entire company from scratch every time you call. It's a dedicated person for you. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees uh, day-to-day. All oh, it's just 99 bucks a month. I mean, it's an incredible deal. Month to month, no hidden fees. Cancel anytime. B-A-M-B-E-E It's Bambi.com slash Stu. Go there now. Schedule your free HR audit. B-A-M-B-E-E dot slash Stu. Don't forget the slash Stu part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Bambi.com slash Stu. In 2019, journalist Andy Noe was viciously attacked by Antifa goons in Portland, Oregon. Andy's courage and refusal to stand down in the face uh, of, of violence have given him quite a profile as an independent truth seeker. And he now has a brand new book out. It's called Unmasked Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. Andy, thanks for coming back on the program. Thanks for having me on, Stu. Uh, before we dive into the book, let me start with the news of the day here. The, 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 uh, the impeachment stuff is going on, and I wonder how it feels um, as someone who's really covered violence and you know dangerous scenes so similar to the one that we saw. Uh, at the Capitol, except on the left, over and over and over and over again, you've struggled to get people to even look at this information. And we have this one uh, incident on the other side of the aisle, and that has really been focused on. How do you see all this?
1: So all the violence that happened on the 6th of January, all that and worse happened in my home city of Portland, Oregon, for months on end last year. And it was done by BLM and anti-extremists. And those who are now leading the um, impeachment um, charges and those who have been loudest in condemning that violence on the 6th, which should be condemned, they were silent last year um, during the insurrection by Antifa uh, and that was at best and at worst, they were encouraging of it and actually encouraging people to give money to some of these crowdfunding campaigns. So it's... um, it, uh, it it does make me feel quite ill to see these condemnations of political violence coming from people who are not being honest.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's uh, somewhat successful with people who don't pay attention to all of this is the name "antifa," anti-fascist. People know fascism is bad. All right? You go into the history of this. Um, I mean, were the original anti-fascists the good guys?
1: No, they weren't. So the original Antifa, the first one, was a paramilitary of the German Communist Party. So in the interwar years of the Weimar Republic. So from its inception, Antifa has always been very closely tied to communism. Um, They were directly tied to it in the original group. Today, they hold an ideology that is a fusion of anarchism and communism. So they really view, as they did then, the United States and its allies as enemies. Um, So for example, what they call fascism is not how you and I might define it or even how political scientists will define it. They are talking about anybody who has an opposing political ideology. So they view America as a fascist nation fascist imperialist power, actually, that they seek to destroy. They think the American founding ideals are fascistic. They think uh, property rights and freedom of expression are vectors to spread uh, fascism. So that's why a few years ago, when the mainstream left were normalizing and celebrating these uh, bash the fasc and punch Nazi means, I was immediately troubled at that time because i already saw at that time in portland in my home city that the label of fascist was applied extremely broad to anybody who didn't agree with them it didn't matter if you were like let's say just a regular republican or a trump supporter you could have even been somebody on the left who didn't like what antifa were doing and you would get smeared with the same label and then subjected to threats intimidation and assaults
0: it strikes me as they're using this almost as a free pass to commit violence, right? Like when they say their political opponents are racist and fascist and Nazis, they have sort of the ultimate uh, hall pass to to commit violence against any of these people because everyone hates racists and fascists and Nazis.
1: That's right. All of this, um, these labels are just pretexts for them to commit their acts of violent extremism. So uh, we should talk about how, um, how did it become the, the movement they are today to where they actually have the force and power to be, to be destabilizing to certain areas in the country, hmm. um, the Pacific Northwest in particular. So Antifa have existed on the fringes of the far left in the United States since around the 80s, but they were able to move into the mainstream left starting in 2016 and going forward, because then they had institutional support from journalists, um, legacy media, uh, entertainment and culture, who were all pumping out this propaganda day in and day out that America was on the cusp of another Holocaust, that uh, Americans had voted in a fascist regime, and that resistance by any means necessary was needed, including violence. So Antifa had the perfect avenue to move into that space and say, we are going to be the ones to oppose fascism. And as we saw, their violence wasn't directed just at the far right, they directed it. At, for example, anybody who was seen wearing a MAGA hat, anybody who dared to wave an American flag, people like myself who dared to record them in public, they beat me. So their violence is indiscriminate. And um, unfortunately, it doesn't just stay with like petty brawls on the street. They've actually have killed people. They set fires to buildings where people are inside. They bring guns and knives to their riots. Um, they bring multiple cocktails and IEDs. They actually have taken over city property, as they did in Seattle last year, and led to uh, multiple murders in there.
0: Mm. It's, it's fascinating because in, in the book you talk, because um, you mentioned talking about like sort of the The uh, support with the pen from journalists and academics, uh, which is part of it. But really, it's more than that. I mean, you went undercover. uh, You went in black block uniforms uh, to 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 look at this right up close. And the 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 ties to journalists and academics go even deeper than we ever imagined.
1: Yeah. And one of the chapters in my book, I actually published some primary documents that were leaked to me from somebody who actually went through the membership process for an Antifa organization, Bro City Antifa, which is the cell that's based in Portland. And you'll see in this curriculum that it lasts months and months on end, six months, and it includes a really intense radicalization process where they actually go to secret meetings. Uh, they, are, they listen to different preachers, if you will. Uh, they're trained on how to maim and gouge out the eyes of their opponents. They're taught how to take up arms as well for a revolution. Um, some of the people who are providing the radicalization training um, included an academic from Portland State University. Another is a man named Shane Burley, who is who calls himself a journalist and he's written uh, a piece for NBC as recent as last year. So these are people who work in white collar professions um, and then behind closed doors, they're involved in radical, violent extremists organizing online.
0: It's really it's really scary because you, you realize how deep this stuff goes, um, though. We're told by many on the left that Antifa is just an idea. This is uh, it's yeah, it's not an organization. It's not a violent organization, of course. It's just an idea. And the idea is relatively benign. Um, you find, and, and this, you talked about this a little bit here with with Rose City, um, this is a pretty well-organized group. I mean, it, it's, it's you're not going to go to a glass tower in New York to their headquarters, but this is a pretty well-organized group.
1: Yeah, you can think of the anti antifa movement as similar to maybe how jihadists and Islamists organize worldwide, in that all you need is to share on the same ideology and you can set up your own cell wherever you are. And you can actually, the cell can be as small as one individual, or in the case of some of these cities like in Portland or Seattle, where there are hundreds of people involved, um, they are autonomously organized, but they're linked through certain networks. But this uh, phantom cell structure that they have make them really hard to break up Because there's always this plausible deniability that the union exists. So much so that even after four years of their violence being carried out on camera in the public, in front of the eyes of thousands and thousands of people, we're still being led by so-called truth tellers in the press that they don't, that Antifa don't exist in any meaningful organized way, that all all it means is simply anti-fascism.
0: Hmm. Um, we, you know, being in Texas, we haven't seen, you know, the, the amount of this sort of behavior that you've seen in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and it, it's I think like when, you know, I don't know we're normal political issues we deal with on a daily basis. A lot of people, I think, tend to boil this down to what we consider Democrats and Republicans. Right. Like people thought this was all about harming Trump. And once Trump goes away, Antifa goes away. Th- that's just not who these people are. Is that right?
1: That's right, because their pre- their statements against uh, Donald Trump before, as I said, were, was merely an excuse and pretextual to sort of mainstream their violence and to legitimize their violence. Their enemy has always been, according to what they say in their literature, the republic itself. So they don't recognize any governing uh, political body in the United States to not recognize any president, which is why on Inauguration Day in Portland, they had a riot where they destroyed the headquarters of the DNC in Portland. And they held a banner that said, we don't want Biden, we want revenge. And there was a drawing of a Kalashnikov rifle.
0: Hmm. It's, it's, it really isn't. They, they exist completely outside of this normal back and forth that we see on cable news every day. And they go really far. You don't just go through this uh, book, though, and, and sort of recite a bunch of of these attacks and all these bad moments. You kind of go through to try to find. You follow the money a little bit and try to look at what these organizations uh, look like from if, if you could zoom out and kind of see, you know, where are the influence is coming from, where's the money coming from. Can you give us a little bit, uh, paint that picture a little bit?
1: So the money. You know, there, there are a lot of misconceptions on the right that Antifa is being funded by shadowy billionaires and millionaires. Right, It's actually not that, it's very simple and it's actually done quite in the open. So the fundraising is done with the aid of big tech in that they will open up fundraising campaigns, usually on GoFundMe, uh, they open up an account accounts on Cash App and Venmo and it's through these channels that get then shared on their really wide networks and people and they will raise hundreds of thousands um actually millions of dollars so for example in portland the money that they raised was so significant that it covered everything from right gear to weapons to travel accommodation food uh bail bail funds legal aid money it covered absolutely everything so they developed their or sophisticated Uh, apparatus to keep the riots ongoing, which is why in Portland we had 120 days of nightly riots, really bad riots, people setting fires to buildings, like I said, um, and riots that are still going on to this day, uh, now on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. They create certain blueprints and they export these to different places, hoping to replicate it. Um, After the mass violence in Minnesota last year, uh, where neighborhoods were torched to the ground, Uh, one of the police stations um, was abandoned by police and the rioters moved in and burnt the whole place down. The Antifa actually put out a uh, after action report from that, like lessons learned, what made this particularly effective? How do we repeat this in other places? And those lessons were then applied to when they uh, took territory in the Seattle autonomous zone, for example. Uh, in December, they made another autonomous zone in Portland. So it's just, it's just ongoing. And right now, when you add this on top of the, the economic devastation from uh, the COVID-related policies, they're really trying to push some cities really past a breaking point of like the point of no return, like where businesses cannot come back because their storefronts are getting smashed on a weekly basis.
0: Mm. Um, One of the things I think that uh, strengthened, especially you mentioned Minneapolis, one of the reasons it doesn't seem like the overwhelming um, support of the people is going to come toward an Antifa movement where they're going to see this sort of violence and burning things down as as a real solution. In a way, it needed to be paired with something like a BLM where you'd have this sort of large organization um, uh, where of people who maybe we were just uh, you know, left. Some people maybe not even left, just, just not wanting people to be racists and had good intentions going into this. But then you expand that and you combine it with the Antifa uh, strategies and tactics. You write about BLM in the book. How much crossover is there between these two organizations?
1: Well, that's such an excellent question. And I'm really glad you observed that. You're right. Antifa's message of anarchist communism is pretty fringe and radical ideology that doesn't really appeal to the masses, if people were aware of that, which is why they really latched on to resistance to Trump, fascism, Trump is a fascist. And then slowly this year, there was a very direct sort of switch over to we're going to jump on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon, something that BLM themselves actually welcomed in that if you go to any of the the BLM protests whether on the east coast or the west coast you'll see Antifa acting as volunteer security so these are um they cross-pollinate each other they have different sort of ultimate agendas but as of now they're working together because they share a common enemy in the united states and they exploit um the american public's sensibilities sensitivities over things like race and this desire in a lot of americans for uh, social justice for racial justice, um, but they're they're pushing the overturn window further and further to the left, and essentially radicalizing the mainstream left. It's not particularly controversial um, to see in uh, liberal papers of uh, legacy papers and papers of record that that argue that looting uh, has a purpose, that property destruction has a purpose. You were kind of we were hearing that over and over last year in response to. Uh, the months of riots, that this was a form of reparations, that it was a form of justified rage. So on the left, they do, in my view, a lot of people in the mainstream left accept uh, political violence on their side.
0: Hmm. Um, Before uh, we let you go, Andy, you've done a lot here to expose uh, Antifa and all of the stuff that's been going on over the past few years at really great personal risk and at times personal harm. Uh, how, uh, I mean, are you scared of what could come uh, from a book like this? I mean, you, when you write Unmasked, I mean, you're revealing, you know, foundational documents from these organizations. They're not going to be happy about it.
1: That's right. Which is why weeks before the book was out, the Antifone Portland became violent outside. One of the largest bookstores in Portland uh, calling for Unmasked to be banned, which was, partially successful, uh, uh, at least in Portland. Um, Yes, it is dangerous. i have been beaten before you opened up uh, talking about that incident in 2019. Um, I've actually had to flee my home of Portland because of all these rising death threats against me and uh, all of which have been reported to police and nothing's ever done. Um, But I, I just have to recognize that as difficult as my life can be at times, I am in a position of privilege in that I get invited for interviews. I can go on your show, for example, and talk about this. I have a publisher who's willing to publish my manuscript. There are so many people who have been victimized, been beaten, but have their lives absolutely destroyed by these anti-extremists and they have no voice anywhere. So I feel like I have to speak up for them and continue to do what I'm doing. Mm. incredibly brave
0: and and thank you so much andy for all the stuff that you've done because uh, people wouldn't know what what is going on if it wasn't for you and and only a couple of others and seemingly none of them at mainstream media organizations andy knows the editor at large to support him at the uh, post-millennial and he's also the author of unmasked inside antifa's radical plan to destroy democracy andy thanks so much for coming on the program thank you all right back in a second President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is uh, in the news again for more corruption. This is an incredible shock. As you know, there's been some issues with corruption and Joe Biden over the years. And ABC News is now calling him out for a totally different issue that is not the one conservatives have focused on. They write during the 2020 presidential campaign, attention on the Biden family focused largely on his son, Hunter Biden. Now, that's an interesting way of phrasing that. Really, it was conservatives who talked about her and Hunter Biden. The mainstream media just completely ignored it for the most part. Just throwing that out there. Um, experts say it's the president's son-in-law, however, who could present fresh ethical challenges for the new administration. Howard Crane is playing with fire, said Meredith McGee, executive director of issue one, a nonpartisan ethics watchdog group. If he gets too close to that flame. If he's trying to cash in on his relationship with the president or if he's trying to influence policy, the flame is going to get him and it's not worth it to him or Biden. She says a renowned Philadelphia based head and neck surgeon who married Biden's daughter, Ashley, in 2002. Crane helps oversee startup health to the fund. Uh, They invest in hundreds of companies, including some hoping to break through with federal agencies battling the global coronavirus pandemic. This is so convenient. What a, what a wonderful turn of events for this family. It's great news. Think about that. I mean, here's all these guys. They've been trying to make a buck for a while. It's hard to do sometimes. Then your father-in-law becomes president of the United States. and He's managing the coronavirus response. And you just happen to be looking over companies who are trying to also make money off the coronavirus response. I mean, it's just lucky. There's not a thing more to it than that. Um, Now, with Biden in office, Crane's involvement with Startup Health has prompted more tough questions. Ethicists and tech industry experts told ABC News. Among them, should Crane advise companies backed by Startup Health in their efforts to win lucrative government contracts? Well, I mean, no, he probably shouldn't, but he probably will. Should he weigh in with his father-in-law on policy decisions that may benefit those companies? Uh, He probably shouldn't, but he probably will. And will he obtain sensitive government information that may help inform investment decisions? He probably shouldn't, but he probably will. So that one is uh, on the docket as well. We also have a new clip from uh, Jen Saki. Of course, uh, you know, we are uh, people call us Saki heads occasionally on this on this program. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, every once in a while, I'd like to give her a little bit of a break. Uh, here she is, though, talking about something
1: of opening up schools swiftly and safely. Mm -hmm. Could you help us understand what the White House is or what the president's definition of open schools is? Does it mean teachers in classroom teaching students Mm -hmm. in classroom or does it just mean Kids in classroom with a remote screen. Help us understand. Right. Sure.
0: His sure. goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than fifty percent, open uh, by day one hundred uh, of his wow. presidency, and mm. that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week. Hopefully, it's more. And obviously, it is as much as is safe in each school and local district.
1: Okay. You say some teaching. That's you didn't use the same majority qualifier there. You just have to have some teaching in school, some teachers in school not the majority of teachers in school and the majority of classrooms.
0: Well, teaching at least one day a week um, in the majority of schools by day 100. Okay, and that's in-person teaching. In-person teaching. Yes. OK, so now this is interesting because this goes back to the 100 million vaccinations in 100 days issue. OK, we were already on pace to get 100 million in 100 days. Right. So, in fact, they did one point three million the day that uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated. So then they had to kind of change that and say, oh, we'll go for 150 million. Well, we're already up to about 1.5 million a day now. And he's been in office for like two weeks. He hasn't done anything really yet. Uh, so it's, it's kind of an amazing uh, way that this works. And the same thing with schools here. This concept of, she said, one day a week in school. So we're talking hybrids would count in this. And Phil Kirpin correctly points this out. Uh, if we count hybrids as open, 64.8% of K-12 schools are already open. So would he... Need to close schools to get to 50 percent? We are already at 65 percent open, and you know people like to use this shutdown. I and mean, many people have done the right do it as well. Use this word shutdown. We need to open the schools. The schools are largely open already in most states. It's a few outliers that get all the attention. But I mean, it's already mostly open. Now Joe Biden wants to guarantee up to 50 percent of all schools open when we already have 65 percent open. That's the Joe Biden guarantee. Just like to have a box of stuff that shows up at your house. That's awesome. I know I would like it. A box of awesome. Well, the curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter with an all-new lineup of essential Box of Awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life no matter uh, what you're into. Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help uh, you get uh, the right box of awesome for you. This is a great, if you happen to be a a lady looking for a Valentine's present, you know you're getting something sweet, you wanna get them something good too. Box of Awesome is a great place to go. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And I've seen a bunch of these boxes. I've never seen one that has close to only $70. It's always way above that. I guess $70 is the absolute minimum, uh, but it's usually, every time I've seen it, it's been above that. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STEW at checkout. Remember the promo code STEW. Why? Because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you get 20% off. It's boxofawesome.com. The code is STEW, 20% off your first box. Well, Elon Musk is at it again. Uh, came out, uh, some news came out today, um, basically, or it was actually yesterday, where he did um, uh, this large purchase. He made this large purchase of Bitcoin in December. billion of Bitcoin, uh, which they just announced. Tesla, of course, is one of the largest companies in the world (laughs) at this point. It's certainly the largest car companies in the world. Uh, Took a bunch of their cash reserves, threw it into Bitcoin. uh, $1.5 billion. When that report came out, immediately Bitcoin prices went up. Because this is what what, Elon Musk, this is what happens with him. He just says something, he tweets, he likes Bitcoin, he likes Dogecoin, and they just go through the roof it 's an amazing power to have it does make me a little nervous because you know you wonder if this is sort of a bubble um, with with Elon Musk. I will say as late as October of two thousand and twenty uh, Bitcoin was about ten thousand dollars per uh, Bitcoin. It is now at forty six thousand plus hit as high as forty eight thousand today, which is Remarkable. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we did shows uh, when we were talking about Bitcoin at like a thousand or eight hundred. Uh, it feels like a million years ago. If you listen to us back then, we were saying this is a good thing to buy. And I know most of you just ignore us, which is smart. 99% of the time, but this is the one time it was dumb to ignore us. So I'm going to keep pointing it out. Uh, anyway, uh, it's uh, up to 48,000. People think it could go even higher. Uh, there's rumors of Apple maybe putting some money into this. If a big company like Apple starts doing this, Elon Musk is still seen as a little quirky, uh, as you might know. Um, so people, a lot of people follow Elon Musk, but he's still a very quirky guy. You get the mainstream acceptance of a couple of these big tech companies going in. Um, we know Jack from Twitter is a big Bitcoin guy. Um, you know, uh, PayPal has it now. Um, you know, P- it is more and more adoption. And I don't know. Like, I, I think I would be the type of person who said, look, it's already at forty eight thousand. I'm not going to get into it now, uh, which is understandable. You don't want to buy at the top. However, I don't know how high this thing's go- going. I mean, look at the way we're printing money in this country. They want to spend another one point nine trillion dollars. This is like. Bill one, they're already saying there's more after that, after the one point nine trillion. There's so much spending. And that is the biggest benefit. It's why I've always liked Bitcoin. There's only 21 million of them. There's never going to be one more. They can't print, can't print Bitcoin. And that's uh, one of the things you know, I don't know. It's a, uh, that is um, it's a little sexy to, to I think the conservative audience when it comes to that uh, that side of it. We'll uh, watch this closely and hopefully, you know, you're just you're like Scrooge McDuck at this point. That's my my wish. You just you're diving into a big uh, pile, a pool filled with gold coins. And if you do, if you are going to try that, just hesitate because you don't go in like it's water in the cartoons. You would actually injure yourself badly. Back in a second. This is real footage from a real legal hearing on Zoom. Uh, the guy, who, one of the lawyers, uh, you know, not tech savvy. Um, older guy, uh, I guess, when, I don't know if his kid or his grandkid was on and had changed the filter to a kitty cat. This is real footage from a legal hearing watch. I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, you might want to. Uh, uh, take, take we're trying look.
1: to. We're tr- can you hear me, Judge?
0: I can hear you. I think it's a
1: filter. It, the- it is. and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but. Uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's I'm here live. it's not I'm not a cat.
0: <laughs> I can I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Well, you can't see it actually. Guy does look like a freaking cat. Uh, I love how he's like I'm prepared to go forward with this. It's like a murder trial, and uh, in the middle he just he just looks like a cat. I mean, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Um, I just. Uh, <laughs> This is the world we live in. I can't wait for the Corona technology to go away. Go away. Go away, Corona. We'll see you tomorrow.